Some of you may know this, some of you may not know this, but before coming to Southport, so I was a curate just down the road, but before that, I led a church plant in Ormskirk. And if you don't know, leading a church plant, so a brand new church, involves quite a lot of work. So that's what I did. There were weeks when I would be doing something every single evening. Sometimes I didn't think there was enough time in the week to take a day off that week. What I found amazing about church plants is that they are very fragile creatures. One week it can seem like there's these amazing things happening, everything's exciting, everything's going well. And the very next week it can feel like, is this, is this community even going to survive another week? What's happened with everyone? Why is everything going wrong? Now, one Sunday, I was in kind of this, will this survive mindset? Numbers were a little bit lower, and it felt like we'd in some way taken a few steps backward. And in this situation, the ever-present voice in my head said, You just need to work a little bit harder and then people will discover Jesus and church will be amazing. So after church, I decided that the next week I just needed to do a little bit more because isn't working harder the answer to everything? Isn't that what will make you successful or make church successful or make anything successful? Just put a little bit more work in. Now, if you were here two weeks ago, uh, I told everyone that I was a very picky drinker. You may remember that. You may not remember that. I don't like drinking many drinks. That includes tea and coffee, and the list could go on. But the ironic thing is that I decided my strategy of working harder, of trying to reconnect with these people that were maybe on the fringes of church, was to invite them all for an individual coffee. Now, that didn't mean I broke my drink selection rules. I don't break my drink selection rules for anyone. If King Charles asks, do I want a tea? I will say to the king, no, I don't drink tea. Don't break them for anyone. But on one of these days, the next week, I had so many coffees. Well, I actually had other drinks. They might have had coffees. And met with so many people that I actually sat in a Starbucks from about one hour after it opened until I got kicked out of it in the evening because they wanted to close up. Back to back to back coffees with lots and lots of different people. I had some really open and honest conversations with people. Some of them were very deep conversations and they were sharing some parts of their life they might not have shared with many other people. And I smiled and I frowned at the right points. I listened intently. I asked the right questions and I prayed with them. But through every one of these chats, some of them incredibly open and deep, I felt nothing. I felt emotionally and spiritually numb. My face gave all the right empathic expressions. I seemed interested by asking them all the right questions. My words were spoken with love and with care, but inside I was dead. I wasn't present with them. I was barely even present with myself. I was physically drained, emotionally absent and spiritually dead. 
I'd become so busy that I'd stopped managing to see or feel God in my own life many months ago. I was so closed down that the thought of happiness or rest seemed like a distant memory. Rushing from one thing to the next, too unavailable to notice the people I supposedly loved, too tired to notice myself, too hurried to notice God. A zombie going through the motions, not dead, but far from alive. Most of you probably haven't led a church before. But I wonder if any of my story resonates with you. A German philosopher wrote a book called The Burnout Society. And in it, he wrote this about people in the Western world. They are too alive to die and too dead to live. Burnout doesn't just happen to church leaders. Burnout is all around us. Weary people carrying their weary bodies, hearts and souls on their backs as if they weigh the weight of the world. Over the next month, we're going to be starting a new series called Be Still, where we're going to be looking at the question, is there another way? Is life meant to be so tiring, hard, empty and godless? And some of the stuff we're going to be talking about comes from a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. So this month, my encouragement to you all would be buy the book and give it a read. Now, you might be thinking, well, I don't have time to read this book. I mean, I'm busy. I, I, just, I just don't have time to read this book. I would especially recommend this book to you if you don't think you have time to read it this month. And the book was written because John, who was a church leader in America, got a piece of advice that he said changed his life. A good friend told him, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life. I don't know about you, but sometimes when people ask me how I'm doing, before I even think about it, I say, I'm good, because obviously that's the British answer. We're always good, no matter what's going on in our life. I'm good, just a little bit busy. In our world, busyness is seen as a badge of honour. Busy people are successful, important, powerful and loved. To be busy is to be someone. In the 1960s, it was predicted by some futurologists, I'm not sure how you get that job, but I'd like it, um, it was predicted by these people that by 1985, people would work 22 hours a week, 27 weeks of the year. The problem, they thought, was that people would have too much leisure time. We are in 2023, and people have less time and far more things pulling for their attention. Social media is literally designed to keep a person's attention for as long as possible because that then can be monetized. We rush from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. Our mind is constantly being screamed at and our attention spans are judged in seconds, not minutes. We are distracted by our pace of life, 
and we are addicted to that pace of life. And the problem with this is summarised by a Catholic writer who says this. Today, a number of historical circumstances are blindly flowing together and accidentally conspiring to produce a climate within which it is difficult not just to think about God or to pray, but simply to have any interior depth whatsoever. We, for every kind of reason, good and bad, are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. It is not that we have anything against God, depth and spirit. We would like those things. It is just that we are habitually too preoccupied to have any of these show up on our radar screens. I wonder if you can relate to that. Distracted, rushed, preoccupied, obsessively busy. Here is a list of maybe some of the symptoms of a hurried life. And maybe as I read them, you can reflect if you notice any of these symptoms in your life. Irritable towards those close to you. Always either angry, anxious or tired. Never managing to relax or switch off. Not being able to sit down for more than a minute without looking at some form of pixels. Addicted to work, whether that's at work or at home or at church or anywhere else. Having to be doing something always. Emotionally numb. A clear disconnect between what you value in life and how your life actually looks. Not enough time to sleep, exercise or eat. Physical bodies that are suffering. Falling into escapist behaviours that give a momentary sense of relief. Overdrinking, overeating, Netflix, porn, social media. Prayer or any form of time with God has long left the room. And if it happens, it is distracted and sporadic. There is a deep sense of loneliness, feeling disconnected from others and from God. I wonder if any of these symptoms of a hurried life you see in yourself. A hurried life carnivorously eats all spiritual depth from inside of us until we are just a zombie, not dead but also not alive. The vampiric pace of this world will suck your attention and through that it will steal your soul. Corrie ten Boom, a Christian, a Dutch Christian who helped Jews escape from Nazi concentration camps said this, if the devil can't make you sin, he will make you busy. The reading today came from Psalm 46. In this psalm, there's two pictures that are painted. The first is of chaos around God's people. What seems to be like this earthquake and these raging seas. 
Water in the Hebrew Bible is always a symbol of disorder and chaos, confusion and fear, loneliness and isolation. And the second picture in this psalm is of the city of God. The chaotic waters are changed into a peaceful utopia of flowing rivers and the trembling mountains have been silenced. Calm and order are created in the presence of God, while the world shakes and the world battles with itself in the distance and absence of God. And in verse 10 of this psalm, God speaks. Before that, it's just a description of these two images, of chaos and calm, the world and the city of God. Yet in verse 10, God says this, Be still, And know that I am God. In the midst of our agitated and chaotic modern world, God says, Be still and know that I am God. It is a jarring sentence to a world addicted to running and one that's easy to miss amongst capitalism's constant shouting for our attention. Be still and know that I am God. It is a whisper from a friend that few will hear and even fewer will pay attention to. Be still and know that I am God. Being still is not a passive action. To be still is to stop moving, to stop running, to stop flicking our attention to stop hurrying, to stop being in control, to stop doing. Being still will not come naturally, neither will it be easy. It will be painful and it will have deep consequences for our lives. We as a society are addicted to sprinting through each second of every day. We are addicted to revving life constantly in the red zone. We are addicted to a rhythm of life that never stops, that never rests, that never concedes even an inch. And just like any addiction, stopping is far easier said than done. Yet the whisper of God inside the chaos and earthquakes of the modern world is to be still and know that I am God. The danger is that if we keep running through life, we will constantly run past God. We will constantly have our attention pulled away from God and to other things. We will never really know God. And our lives will become hollow shells that are pushed and pulled around by the waves of this world. God wants to know us. God wants us to find rest and peace within this world not simply collapse exhausted into the next world. To know God, we have to be still. We have to stop. We have to give him our attention. We have to unfreeze our numb hearts. And we have to have our hurried souls resurrected. The writer John Ortberg writes... For many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied 
that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. I wonder if you think about your life at the moment. Do you think you are just skimming life or do you think you are truly living it? And this isn't just true for us as individuals. This is also true for churches. Churches can become reflections of our rushing world. Hurried communities where there's a lack of time, energy or spiritual depth, leaving a trail of burnt out leaders and volunteers. Church can become so busy that they miss God. Churches can become so hurried that they no longer know God. Churches can become so obsessed with what they are doing that they forget the more important question, who are they becoming? Be still and know that I am God. In a world marked by hurry, the upside-down kingdom of God is marked by stillness. It is the still kingdom where the weary find rest, the burnt out find hope, the lonely find love, the trauma-ridden hearts find healing, and the waves and earthquakes of our modern world are finally hushed. Be still and know that I am God. It is not an easy command. It is not the easy road. It will involve us losing our life. But in the stillness, we will find our life. Be still and know that I am God.